Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the preaching ministry of Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. David Tice. For more sermons in both audio and video format, we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com. Also, for a word of encouragement, insight, and biblical inspiration, follow Pastor David Tice's blog at davidtice.com. So without further ado, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. Mark, and we've been studying the life of Christ as Mark have described it. We are, we've looked at several things that Jesus has done, some miraculous things Jesus has done. He's, he's cast demons out of, uh, out of the maniac and uh, of the Gadarenes. He cast a demon out. He, he, he threw those demons into uh, some pigs, and those pigs killed themselves. We, we've watched him heal the sick. We've watched him... Um, uh, touch blind, uh, blind eyes, and they were able to see. Tonight, we're going to look at one of the most unusual healings that are, is recorded in Scripture. Now, Jesus does whatever he wants to do, any way he wants to do it, because he can. Can you say amen to that? Uh, the, uh, he, is, he is God. He is the God of the universe, and he'll do what he wants to do. Uh, so we're going to read the story this evening of him touching a man in, again, he is back in Dicopolis. Very interesting story. Take a, take a look at uh, Mark chapter 7, and we'll start in verse 31. The Bible says, and again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Remember, Jesus has been trying to get away. He's been crowded by by people everywhere he goes. He says to his disciples, hey, let's go over here and let's get some rest. And, and uh, they go over, they get to the other side, people follow him to the other side of Galilee. And uh, there he, uh, he winds up ministering to people and winds up feeding uh, 5,000 uh, men plus women and children, probably about 15,000 people. And then he, he gets in the boat or he tells the, the, the disciples to get in the boat. They go out in the boat and uh, they get in the boat and uh, 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 a huge storm. They're out there when they shouldn't be out there, and uh, a huge storm comes along, and Jesus has to walk out to where they are and still the storm and take them back. All sorts of wonderful things have taken place. Jesus now it finds himself, he leaves uh, the Sea of Galilee, he leaves uh, where he was in Tiberias, and he traveled up to Tyre, and then the Bible says later he goes up into Sidon. And now he takes off from Zidon. He comes down to this place where it says Hippos. This is, this is Dicopolis. This is called Dicopolis because there's 10 different cities uh, here. And so this Dicopolis just means 10 cities. That he's in this area now, and he comes back, but he's up in this area. And this is very interesting because if you remember what took place here, this is where the maniac came, where the maniac came to him, met him at the boat, and he cast the demons out. And do you remember the story? Remember what happened? They, they, the people saw what he did. They were amazed at what he did, but they were fearful. And so uh, what happens is they say, to, uh, they say to Jesus, Jesus, look, we... this." great what you did, but you, you scare us. Just, just leave. We want you out of here. And the, the demon, the formerly demon-possessed naked guy, uh, they, this man is now clothed in his right mind, and they're saying to Jesus and to his disciples, please leave. And he says, um, uh, okay, we're, we're going to leave. And he, the, the demon-possessed guy, the formerly demon-possessed guy says, hey, take me with you. I want to go with you. But do you remember what Jesus said? 
Jesus said, no. He said, uh, you stay here, and you go back. He leaves him here all by himself. He said, you go back and you tell everybody what, uh, what great things God hath done for you. And so he, he stays there. Now, Jesus is gone. He goes back over here. He takes off, goes to Tyre. He's up to Zidon. He is now coming back. He is now in the same area. It's a fascinating story because when he comes back to this area, after these people had told him to go away, all multitudes of people come. In fact, we will see next time we're in the book of Mark, and that won't be for several months. But when, when we come back here, we'll see that the very place he comes back to, thousands of people come, and he has to wind up feeding 4,000 people in a day. What's fascinating about this is these people had just said, go away. Seven months before, they said, go away, go away, go away. Now Jesus comes back, and they're, they're, they're flocking to him. As far as we know, there was only one disciple there. And that was the formerly demon-possessed guy who was breaking chains and running around the graveyards naked. It's amazing what one person doing what God wants them to do can accomplish. So that's where this story takes place, and I just wanted you to see that. This is where the story takes place. Let's take a look at what happens. The Bible says this. I, I call this, by the way, life lessons from Jesus, because we're going to look at six things that we learn from this very, very short but fascinating story. Number one, no, verse 31, the Bible says, And again, departing from the coasts of Tyre and Sidon, he came unto the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coasts of Decapolis. And they bring unto him, now people are bringing people to him. They bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they beseech him to put his hand upon him. The Bible says, and he took him aside from the multitude. This is not what Jesus normally does. Normally people come up and say, would you heal me? And they say, and Jesus says, uh, Jesus says, yeah, uh, do you have faith? And they say, yeah. He says, go, they're healed. Or he touches them and they're healed. Or he talks to them and he says, be healed. But this time the Bible says he took him aside from the multitude and he put his fingers in his ears. It's sort of a strange thing. What would you think, Rob, if I came down there and stuck my fingers in your ear? But that's not the end of it. The Bible says he sticks his fingers in his ear, takes him away into a, a back room somewhere or over to the side where there's not a lot of people, sticks his fingers in his ear, and then he spit, and he touched his tongue. Now, I don't know exactly what that means, I don't know if he had his fingers in his ears and he said, lay your head back. I was at the dentist today. I mean, it's a strange thing what the dentists do to you. you. You allow them to open your mouth and stick your hands inside. This guy, uh, this guy, uh, Jesus, Jesus has his fingers in his ears and somehow he, I don't know if he spit directly into his mouth, but he had his fingers in his ears at that point. So he didn't spit in his hands and then wipe it in his, he spit somehow his spit got in that man's mouth. Very interesting story. And he took him aside from the multitude and he put his fingers in his ear and he spit and touched his tongue. So now he's touching his tongue after he's got his fingers out of his ears. He's touching his tongue. And, and looking up to heaven, he sighed. And he said, 
Ephatha, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. That's a miraculous thing. This guy's been deaf all of his life, and now he's speaking plainly. Deaf people don't know how to speak plainly because they've never heard plainly. And, and so now he is speaking plainly. There's a, just, it's an amazing miracle. And he charged them that they should tell no man, but, but the more he charged them, so much, a great deal, they published it. They just kept telling people and telling people and telling people. And were beyond measure astonished, saying, He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Father, I pray that you'll use this um, passage of Scripture just in the next few minutes to teach us some very important things that we need to live as, as we follow your example. Help us to learn these life lessons so that we might be able to impact others the way you impacted so many in the short time that you ministered. You only ministered for three and a half years, and yet you turned the world around. And I thank you for that, and I pray, Father, you'd use us, teach us since this evening, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing I want you to see in this tonight is that you need to always follow God's direction. No matter what you think you should do, before you make decisions about what you're going to do, you better check with God. It's interesting that Jesus is left Galilee, went up to the coast of Tyre and Sidon, went all the way up there. Why did he go there? We don't know. Uh, these were two big cities. These were port cities, so there was a lot of hustle and bustle was going on. Uh, but Jesus left there. And why did he go there? We don't know, except that he was doing exactly what God wanted him to do. He's following God's direction. Wherever God sent him, he went. And then he leaves those, the hustle and bustle of the big cities, comes down to Dicopolis, which was a, which was a huge mass of land, but uh, there were 10 cities. But they, these were like huge cities. These were small cities. And he went there. He, he went exactly where God wanted him to go. I think it's interesting that he was willing to go back to Dicopolis because he had been rejected there before. This is a place that they said, we don't want you here, go, leave, and he leaves when they want him to leave, but he goes back when God tells him to go back. There are times that you witness to somebody, you, you share the gospel with somebody, and, and, uh, and they say, hey, I don't want to hear it. I don't want what you have to say. Listen, give time. It, this time, when he comes back this time, they received him. This time they're coming, they're receiving him. So it takes time sometimes for people to receive the truth that God wants for them to, to, to receive. Go plant the seed, and if you're, if you're rejected, understand that, that sometimes, again, it takes a while for people to receive truth. When I first got saved, man, I started telling all my friends. When I first committed my life to the Lord, I started telling all my friends and just and going to them, and my friends started dropping off. I mean, they were like, like they were saying, you know, uh, he, he's just going to come and he's going to preach to us, and we don't want to hear the preaching anymore. And, and I think, man, I just want to tell them the good news. And I was so excited 
excited, and I tried to cram the truth down their throats, but the truth of the matter is you can't do that. You can lay out the gospel, and you can share the gospel, and you can share it in a very, uh, in, in a very uh, pleasant way, and if people don't receive it, then let it simmer. I, I remember standing outside of a McDonald's one time. I was about 20 years old. I was standing outside this McDonald's, and a, a guy came up to witness to me. He was a Jehovah Witness. And uh, he, he uh, handed me some Jehovah Witness material. I said, I said, hey, I don't believe that. He said, well, why don't you believe it? I said, well, let me tell you. Let, let's do this. I, let me take, you give me, I'll give you five minutes, and I'll just sit here, and I'll watch my clock for five minutes, and you tell me everything that you want uh, to tell me about what you believe. And I'll sit and listen. And then if you'll grant me five minutes, as soon as I'm finished, you'll grant me five minutes to talk to you. And he said, Good, good deal. So he started telling me. He started telling, talking to me about why he, they didn't, him, I don't know why he started with this, but why he did, they didn't believe in hell. And uh, he knew that we believed in hell. And uh, we don't believe in hell. And he started talking to me about all those things. And I just, I'm listening to him and I keep watching my watch. And at five minutes, I said, oh, time's up. He said, what do you mean time's up? I said, you, I told you I'd give you five minutes. Now you've got to give me five minutes. And I said, so... Uh, you don't believe what we believe. He said, no, I don't believe what you believe. I said, do you know what we believe? He said, I think so. I said, well, let me tell you what I don't believe or what you don't believe. I want you to, I'm going to tell you right now what you don't believe. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, first of all, you don't believe what we believe. We, we believe that Jesus is God. And you don't believe that. He said, no, no, I don't believe that. I said, you don't believe that Jesus is God. I said, uh, I believe that Jesus is God. So that's the first thing that you don't believe that we believe. We believe that Jesus is God. I said, number two, we believe that we're sinners. Oh, we believe we're sinners. I said, oh, we got that in common. You believe we're sinners. Uh, I believe we're sinners. We, all believe, we believe we're all sinners. Oh, that's right. And, 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 and thirdly, here's the third thing. I believe that because of our sin, I deserve to go to hell. He said, we don't believe in hell. I said, that's okay. I said, I just want you to know what you don't believe. And so, uh, so, so you don't believe that people uh, deserve to go to hell because of their sin, but I believe that Jesus is God and that, and that, and that, and that, uh, uh, and that we're sinners, and because we're sinners, we deserve to go to hell. You don't believe that, and I know that you don't believe that. He said, yeah, we don't believe that. I said, okay, that's good. I just want to make sure you know what we believe that you don't believe. And then I said, number, number four, I said, the Bible says because we're sinners, we deserve to go to hell, but the Bible says that, that Jesus Christ came to this earth. And, uh, well, we believe that. I said, well, we believe that. And we believe that he was God in human flesh. We don't believe that. I said, I know you don't believe that, but I just wanted you to know that we believe that so that you would know what you don't, what you don't believe. And so, so we believe that Jesus died on the cross and that he was buried and that three days later he rose from the dead having paid for our sins. And we believe that the only way you can get to heaven is by admitting to Jesus that you're a sinner and coming to Jesus as God and asking him to give you eternal life. Now that's what you don't believe, right? He said, yeah. I said, well, that's great. I said, I think I've taken my five minutes. Thank you for talking. He said, oh, don't, don't, can we talk about that? I said, no, you gave me, I gave you five minutes, you got my five minutes. You said, why didn't you try to persuade him? Because I don't have to. You see, it's not my job, Mario, to convince anybody. It's my job to give them the gospel. The Holy Spirit of God works. All I have to do is give him the gospel. So by telling him what he didn't believe, I was able to give him the gospel. I don't know if, whether later on he would ever uh, hear anybody else uh, give the gospel, but, but the truth of the matter is uh, I just wanted him to have the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we're supposed to do. Jesus went and to this place. He offered them truth. They didn't want the truth. They rejected the truth. 
but he left somebody there whose life had been totally and completely transformed. He went back and said, this is what God did for me. This is what God did for me. This is what God did for me. Later on, they were able and ready to receive what they weren't ready to receive before. They, they weren't, uh, were not ready to receive before, but now they were ready to receive. You ever talk to somebody who never didn't want to hear anything, but later on they were ready to hear truth? I, I can remember the story that I told here. I was, I was preaching one evening about a man, or a, a, when I was a teenager, he was a teenager too, his name was Lizard. And uh, Lizard was like the cool kid uh, in, in my school, when, and he was a senior, and I was a junior in school. And he was, the, the, he was, he was a hippie. I mean, he had long hair, and he was just a, just a very unusual guy. And we were sitting in a class together one day, and I was trying to read my Bible. And because uh, school, uh, th the work was done, and our teacher had said, anything that you want to read, you can read uh, to, to fill in the gap for the next 20 minutes until, until the bell rings. So I whipped out my Bible, and I'm reading my Bible. And she saw me reading the Bible, and she said, she said hey, you're not allowed to read the Bible here. This is, you can't read that, that Bible here. And I said, well, you said we could read anything we wanted to. She said, well, except for that, you cannot read the Bible here. And I said, uh, I said well, oh, well, okay. And, and then Lizard was sitting like two chairs over from me, and he was just sort of a radical. And he said, why can't he read his Bible? And this is during the time of the social revolution. Why can't he read his Bible? He, he, he can, if we can read anything else, then why can't he read his Bible? And then all the other kids started saying, hey, yeah, why can't he read his Bible? Why can't he read his Bible? None of those kids cared a whit about reading the Bible, but they loved re rebellion. And so they said, uh, why can't he read his Bible? Why can't he read? And, and so uh, uh, I said, it's okay, it's okay, no, no problem. I'll just put the Bible away and I'll, I'll do, uh, I don't want to cause any problems. Afterwards, I just told Lizard, thank you. And, and uh, I knew him just very casual. Every once in a while, he'd say hi to him. He wasn't ready 40 years before to receive the gospel. I told that story in church one night, and Stan Mitchell heard me tell the story. The next, was it the next day or two or three days later? The, the next day, uh, uh, Stan got a phone call from somebody to come over and do some work at his house. Was it his house or his shop? His house. So uh, Stan goes over to, 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 um, to work on his, on his house, and there's a uh, he said, uh, what's your name? He said, my name's Lizard. He said, what? Your name's Lizard? He said, he said you're not going to believe this. And, then, and he, he said, my pastor was just talking about you in church. And of course, Lizard would say, why is any pastor talking about me in church? And so they had this conversation. He calls me up and he said, hey, would you like to get together with Lizard? I said, yeah. And so I met together. I, I, I was able to go over to Chili's. Uh, in fact, I invited Lizard out to eat. I met him at Chili's. I bought him lunch. And Lizard sat, this is 40 years later, Lizard sat across the table from me as I was eating some salmon and he was eating a steak and I was paying for it. And, and he sat and listened to me point by point give the gospel. He was ready 40 years later to receive truth. What I'm saying is this, there are times that people are not ready to receive. Don't reject them just because they reject the truth. Don't, don't walk away from that. Uh, God doesn't give up on us. God does not give up. He just keeps coming to us. 
We need to understand that God has a plan for us. There was a guy named Ira Cain who used to, uh, who came here for years, uh, or, or his son, Dan, came. My Dan might be here tonight, I don't know, uh, came, uh, and he said, pray for my dad to get saved. Pray for my dad to get saved. And we would pray for his dad to get saved, and we, we'd, uh, uh, he would give him the gospel, and his dad would just reject it and reject it. One day when, Dan, when, when Ira was 94 years old, he came and he sat just right back at where you are, Rob. He sat right back there, and, he, and uh, uh, the, whole, the, the message was given. The gospel was given very clearly. Um, at the end, I said, Do you know, if you don't know for sure you're going to heaven, raise your hand. Uh, he raised his hand. I said, if you'd like to talk to somebody about that, then we'll, ha- we'll have somebody talk to you. He came forward. He talked to, to uh, Matt. Matt took him in the back to share with him the gospel. We thought, oh, finally, Ira's getting saved. He, and Ira went back there and argued with him and said, I don't want to get saved. I don't think this, you don't need to do this. I, and, uh, and he left here lost. Two years later, I, I, I can remember Dan saying to me, it's just useless. You might as well just give up. Stop praying for him. It's useless. And, uh, but two years later, when Ira was 96 years old, Dan called up and said, hey, guess what? You're never going to believe this. My dad said, it's time. I want to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. And he got saved. And it was not too long after that that he went to heaven. We just need to be faithful to do what God wants us to do. And we need to go where God wants us to go. The first lesson that we learn here from the Lord tonight is always follow God's direction. Do what God wants you to do. Ecclesiastes says, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with my, thy might. If God gives you direction, you go and you do what God wants you to do. And God will work through your life if you just do whatever it is God wants you to do. Second thing I want you to see this is that everyone can bring someone to Jesus. Everyone can bring someone to Jesus. Look at verse 32. The Bible says, And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they beseech him to put his... uh, 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 I'm sorry, an impediment in his speech. And they beseech him to put his hand upon him. So he didn't just put his hand upon him. Again, he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ears and, and, and spit on his, on his lips. I want you to see a couple of things. Number one, I want you to see they. And they. It's everyone getting involved. You know what makes Liberty Baptist Church the church that it is? It's everyone's involved. Someone brings a friend. Someone brings another friend. People hear the gospel. Uh, we need to, to serve Jesus together. We need to do what God wants us to do together and understand there's power in unity. Jesus in John John chapter 17 prays for us and he prays that we would be one, that we would be, that we would be one. That, That happens as we fellowship together as we get together, we encourage one another, we, we spend time together, and we pray together. That's why connection classes are so important. Connection classes, this coming Sunday night, do not let the devil talk you out of coming to church Sunday night at 5 o'clock and being involved in a connection classes. Jesus even sent his disciples out two by two. He sent them out two by two. God wants us to work together to, to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, 
Do you know that 83% of people who come to church become because they were invited by a friend? That's what happens. Either a relative or a friend invites you to church. Maybe your mom and dad brought you to church for the first time. But 83%. We have all sorts of outreaches. We have the Christmas experience. We have the Harvest Day Festival. We do all sorts of community events to get people to come. But out of that, only 17% of the people that ever receive Christ come other than someone personally inviting them. Uh, Rob, how did you come to church? Your parents drug you to church. Born and raised in church. Okay, Stan, you were the same thing. Uh, Jamie, how did you come to church? 18, a girl invited me to church. Who? A girl invited me to church at 18. 18 years of age. Uh, he was invited to church. We could go around here and this, that, that 83% would just prove true. The truth of the matter is you came to church because somebody brought you or somebody invited you. And that's true. People are waiting. I'm telling you, people are waiting for you to tell them about Jesus. Yesterday I was sitting in the dentist's office and, and uh, uh, a lady came in to talk to me and I said, hey, can I give you something? And she said, you know what? I've been looking for a church. She said, my son is particularly looking for a church. She said, we go to the Orthodox church, but my son doesn't like it. He wants something a little bit more lively. I said, well, you ought to come and visit our church. There's some lively people uh, in our church. And uh, I, I said, you really would enjoy it. And she said, I'm going to tell my son about that, and I'm going to see if my son will come with me. Then uh, she left, and a little while later, another technician came walking in, and she, she was, she, in fact, I was sitting there for like two and a half hours uh, in this dentist chair just waiting uh, because somebody was it was taking longer for somebody else so I, I thought well I'm there I'm gonna just study I pulled my Bible out and I'm start studying and I'm in this dentist chair it was nice and peaceful and quiet a lady came in and she said I just want to apologize for it taking so long and I said oh it's okay I'm getting a lot of work done and she said uh, and I, I started I said she said what do you do I said I'm a pastor and I reached in my pocket and I handed her a track and she said she started reading it. She said, you know what? She said, this is amazing. This could not have come at a better time in my life. She said, I need what this has to say. And uh, we were in, that, in a professional situation. There was no way to just go into the gospel. I said, well, read that all the way through. That will really help you. She said, I know it will. I'm just telling you, people are ready. They're, they're waiting. Anyone can invite someone to church. You need to take tracks. You need to get involved. You need to bring, uh, uh, you need to understand, no, no, no matter how difficult it may seem, bring whoever it is, however they can come. This, this, was, this was a deaf person. This was a deaf person. What were they going to get in church? What were they going to get from Jesus? This was, a, this was a, a man who could not speak, who said the wrong things. This was an impossible situation. Here's what Paul said. Paul said, Paul said this way. In fact, it's in your, in your, I forget, this is in your notes. In Romans 10, 13, the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But listen to these words. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? They can't, it's very simple to get saved. All you have to do is call on Jesus. But how are they going to call if they don't believe? And how shall they believe of him whom they've not heard? How are they going to believe in somebody that they've never heard of? And how shall they believe on him whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear 
it, without a preacher, unless somebody proclaims the truth to them, and how shall they preach except they be sent? As, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring good tidings of good things. God says you have beautiful feet if you're preaching the gospel. If I took off my shoes right now and I held them up, they long, I have long skinny toes. On, on, on this toe over here, I, it, I, when I was a kid, I got an ingrown toenail. And so when I was, right after I was married, I went to a doctor and he ripped the side of my toenail out. And so he went way down into the matrix and just ripped it out. And it's scarred. There's a scar on my toe. And when you cut it, you, when I have to cut the toenail, it, you have to cut way down inside and get the, all the junk out. Uh, it's a terrible looking foot, but God thinks it's beautiful. God says the, the feet of those who preach the gospel are beautiful. And, and, and you can have beautiful feet just by, by using your feet to tell other people about Jesus Christ. I just, I just encourage you to understand this, that from this passage, we learn that, you, that anybody can bring anybody to Jesus. Everybody can bring somebody to Jesus, and you can do that. And I'm telling you, they're all around you. They're all around you. They are waiting for someone to tell them about Jesus, just to invite them to church. And you don't have to be some bold John the Baptist up there saying, repent, the kingdom of heaven. You don't have to do that. All you have to do is be kind to people. And my wife pulls her track pulls tracks out of her purse and she says hey can I give you something my wife my husband wrote this can I give this to you my husband wrote that she, she that's her that's her deal every time she she gives to somebody she doesn't have any she doesn't say oh dear kind lady uh, can I just she doesn't she just said can I give you something my husband wrote and people take it and and you give them the opportunity to share to 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 share with you in heaven. What a wonderful thing. Third, thing. third lesson is in verse 33. It says this, And he took him aside from the multitude, and he put his fingers into his ears, and he spit and he touched his tongue. I, I think this is very important. We need to let God work the way he chooses. Sometimes people don't talk or say the things exactly the way we think they should, or they don't do exactly what we think they ought to do. We ought to let God work in his way. Now, in order to get saved, there's certain things you have to know. You have to know that Jesus is God. You have to know that you're a sinner. You have to know that because of your sin, you don't deserve to go to heaven. But the Bible tells us this. The Holy Spirit is in the world convincing men of those things. The Holy Spirit goes before you anywhere you go, and he gives the bad news. And the bad news is that you're a sinner, there's a righteous God, and you're going to be judged for your sin. John chapter uh, 16 tells us that, that the Holy Spirit's in the world and that he's convicting men of those three things. They're sinners, there's a righteous God, and judgment's coming. Nobody ever had to tell you that. The Holy Spirit of God told you that, and he told your neighbor that, and he told your coworker that, and he told your boss that, and he told your brother and your sister and your aunt and your uncle and your mother and your father and your, and your everyone. He's told everyone. There's a righteous God, you're a sinner, and judgment is coming. So what we do is we come in with the good news. We come in and tell people, yeah, you are a sinner and there is a righteous God and, and judgment is coming, but God paid the penalty of your sin. He took your judgment upon himself. And you don't have to pay for your own sin because Jesus paid for your sin in his place. 
all, all a person has to do to get saved. I, I just, I, it, over and over, I think about Sam Brown uh, saying how he got out of his burning up car and he's on fire and he yells up to Jesus, Jesus saved me. Well, he had to know who Jesus was. He had to know that there was no hope any other way except through Jesus. And he called on him. I love the story of Peter sinking. He's, he's going down into the water. He doesn't say, Lord, at this time I bow my head before you and I just want you to... No, he screams out. He says, Lord, save me. And Jesus reaches out and saves him. Jesus said, if you come to me, I'll in no wise cast you out. He makes it simple. In, in, this, in this passage of Scripture... Jesus heals this man in a totally different way. First of all, he did not just talk to him. Uh, as I said, he did not just touch him and heal him. I, I, be healed. He didn't do that. He didn't breathe on him like Benny Hinn. Uh, the Bible says he took him aside. He took him aside. I think salvation is always a one-on-one -on -one thing. Jesus will take you aside. Uh, salvation is personal. It's something that you come to him and he changes your life. He put his fingers in his ears. And I, I think, I, I, I've been reading through this for about a week and a half or two weeks. And I've been thinking, why, why the fingers in the ears? And then I thought, hey, that's where the problem was. Jesus goes directly to the problem. I mean, here it is. You have problems with your ears. Let's stick my fingers in your ears. I, if if God wants to stick his fingers in your ear, let him. Uh, so he, he went directly to the problem. And then he put spit and touched his tongue. Now, that's a very unusual thing. It's a very weird thing uh, in my thinking. But I think this. In order for that to happen, somebody has to totally and completely trust you. I was thinking about that today when I was having the roots of my teeth being ripped out of my face. Why am I here, and why is this guy, why am, is my dentist, I got this great dentist. I hate him, but I, he's a great dentist. Why am I sitting here and allowing him to tell me to pull my head back, and he's shining a light in my head, and, I, and, I, and he's, why am, I, why am I doing this? Here's why. I trust him. I trust him with my mouth. I trust him with with the pain that he's going to give me. If he's going to make me go through pain, it's going to be good for me. Uh, see, God wants you to trust him. God wanted this man to trust him, and this man just let him do whatever he needed to do. In Proverbs, we're told to trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. I don't understand and I've read this passage over and over and over. I don't understand the whole ears. Uh, I've given you some of my explanation, but man, the, the head, the fingers and the ears and the spit on its tongue and the whole thing. Uh, look, we don't need to understand. All we have to do is be obedient to what God tells us to do. And when we do, God will work in our life. Here's the third thing that I want you to see. Or fourth thing. Look at this. The Bible says... And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said unto him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. I want you to see that, G that prayer is essential. Now, Jesus is God in human flesh, but he, he, he performs an action. He's healing this man, and he, and he includes a prayer. And the prayer is simply a sigh. It is simply a sigh. He 
<sighs> to God. Do you know that prayer is not always easy? Prayer is work. Sometimes we pray and sometimes we enjoy it when we pray. But if you pray only when you enjoy praying, you will not pray much. Because the truth of the matter is, prayer is work. It is work. To say, I'm going to get up every morning at whatever time, and I'm going to kneel down before God, and I'm going to speak out loud to God and ask God to do something, that is work. You don't want to do it. Your flesh doesn't want to do it. I've heard so many people say, oh, I go before God, and it's a joyous, wonderful time. And I, for, for years, I felt guilty because I don't go before God, and it's a, oh, a wonderful time. Sometimes I go before God, and I just say, God, I'm tired. I'm doing this because I want you to hear and answer prayer. Or I'm doing this because I told that person I would pray for them today, and I want to be able to look at them and say I prayed for them today. And I don't even know how, I don't even know my motives behind this, except I know this. I'm only doing this because I believe you answered prayer. Get honest with God. I don't like going and asking God to do everything for me. I want, I want to just get up and do it. When I get up in the morning and I think I've got five projects I need to get done, I want to get up and just go do the projects. And I'll talk to you, God, as I'm doing the projects. That's what I want. Because I want to get the th jobs done. There's just something in me, there's a drive in me to go out and get it done and get it done and get it done. And most times when I pray, I'm telling you, most times when I pray, it's not the joy of praying. It's me just getting down, asking God to bless you, to take care of your needs, to take care of my wife and my family. I pray for every one of my family members by name. Uh, and I repeat the same thing. And I say to the Lord, Lord, I'm, 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 I'm asking you for the same thing. And I'm over, and I'm asking you over and over again. And God, you know that I'm praying this, and you know I'm repeating it, and I don't want it to be vain repetition. I mean this. That's why I'm praying this. Because God, I'm asking you to work. I pray for our nation every day. I pray that God will open the blinded eyes of voters in our nation. I pray that God will raise up righteous leaders in our nation. I pray these things every single day, and I don't feel like it. It's not just a fun thing to do. It's not just, oh boy, I get to spend time with, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear. I never hear a voice. I don't, I don't feel goosebumps. Now, I'll tell you when I feel goosebumps. When somebody comes up and says, you know, you prayed for something, and this is what happened. I think, whoa, God heard my boring prayer. I said to the Lord one time, I prayed the same list of people every single day. I, I pray the same list of people every single day. I pray your names every day to the Lord. So he hears me say, and, and I, saw, I said one day to the Lord, I, I feel bad that I'm giving you the same names every single day, but you give me lists. In the book of Numbers, there's lists and lists and lists of people, and I don't even know how to say the names, and I have to read them. So if I have to read your names, and I'm just going to repeat these names back to you. If it's good enough for me, it's good enough for you. You say, you talk to God that way? I do it very respectfully, and I tell him it's very respectful, but I'm telling you, a God, I'm, I, that's praying is work.
It's hard work. I remember saying to one of my mentors, a guy named Vern Bartlett, years and years ago, great prayer warrior. I said, you know, I pray the same things over and over. Does God get tired of hearing it? He said, no, but that's the work of prayer, isn't it? That's the work of prayer. But I want you to understand, Jesus prayed. Jesus sighed. It was not like, okay, this is going to be delightful now. I'm going to talk to the Father about this guy's ears and his, and his lack of speaking. But here's why we pray, because God answers the prayer. God answered the prayer. The Bible says in Matthew, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if you shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever, listen, this is an amazing verse. And all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. What an amazing truth. What an amazing promise. We need to take God's promise seriously. And we need to understand, we need to learn from this that Jesus prayed and we ought to pray. Now we're going to go through the last couple of things. Verse 36, the Bible says, And he charged them that they should tell no man but the but the more he charged them, so much the more, a great deal they published it. Listen, the next thing we learn is obey God even when you don't understand. Obey God even when you don't understand. Jesus said unto them, don't tell anyone. Okay, you saw me heal this guy. Whoever you are that watched this, don't tell anybody. But they, and they, they should have obeyed. But they didn't obey. They didn't obey, and, uh, and that would later cause problems with the Pharisees. They're constant talking about and doing things that God told them uh, not to do, talking about the miracles of God. At that point, Jesus said, I don't want you telling anybody, and when Jesus says something, just obey what he says. Obey God no matter what anybody else is doing. You need, we need to understand this. this is so, so important. When we were raising our children, people said, you can't raise children that way in Las Vegas, Nevada, that one of these days they're just going to grow up and they're going to go nuts. They're going to go crazy. They're, they're going to break loose and you've got all these restrictions on them and, and they're, they're going to go ballistic. They're going to be socially under, under, underdeveloped. And, uh, and they're not going to be able to interact with other people. And, and they're just going to be weird kids. If you don't, they're going to be weird adults if you, if you do. And, and they said you can't discipline them. They said you can't spank them. You can't, you can't keep them from certain things. You know what? Again, because of the mercy and grace of God, none of that happened. Our children are very much able to communicate with people from millionaires to people that are living homeless on the streets. I've watched my children interact with all of them, and yet we were told you can't do that. You can't raise them that way. There are times that you will think, man, I, I, I've got to just do it differently. No, do what God tells you to do. Obey God even when you do not understand. I remember when we were sitting in the county commission chambers of, of uh, uh, this county trying to get permission to buy a piece of property. 
and Manny Cortez, the, the uh, major well-known county commissioner at that time, and all of the county, he recommended that we not be able to get that piece of property. And all of the other county commissioners voted with him, and we couldn't get a piece of that piece of property to build a church on. And man, I, that, was, that was the second time I was turned down. And I thought, man, this is it. I'm going to call David Gibbs. I'm going to call our lawyer. We're going we're to fight this thing. They can't tell a church what to do. And my associate pastor, his name was Bob Smith, different Bob Smith than, than uh, here tonight. But uh, Bob Smith came up to me and said, Pastor, you always say the powers of be are ordained of God. Maybe God's just got something better for us. And I thought, man, no, but the Bible says, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Just obey God. So we determined that we're just going to obey God. That county commissioner, Manny Cortez, said, I want you to go over there, and I want you to talk to this man. And he told this man, he said, this preacher is going to come and talk to you. And that man was in charge of comprehensive planning for the state of Nevada. And, uh, and for Clark County particularly, he said, he said, I want you to talk to him. I want you to talk to this pastor. You, you, the preacher, just talk to him. And he'll show you property that we won't turn you down on. So I went and I talked to that preacher. Because we were willing to do what didn't make sense to us, God wound up, wound up giving us 21 and a half acres rather than two and a half acres because, because we were willing to submit to God when we didn't understand, we were willing to obey God even when we didn't understand. And God directed us to that property, which brought us to this property, which allowed us to build the building that we're sitting in right now. It's amazing. Obey God no matter what everybody else is doing. And then number six, God does all things well. I love, the, I love verse 37. It says, and... and uh, they were beyond measure astonished and they said he hath done all things well and he maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak we're to do all that God wants us to do and then we're to leave the results to God people will say well if I do this and this and this what, what will happen I don't know if you do what God tells you to do you do what God tells you to do you do what God tells you to do you can just leave the results to God for 47 years, my wife and I, uh, we are now in our 47th year, we came here with nothing. People said you cannot go to Las Vegas, Nevada with the little that you have and with the, the, the lack of education that you have and the lack of ability you have. You just don't go and start a church from scratch. But we knew this was what God wanted us to do. And so if we just do what God wants us to do, then God will do all things well. There were certain, I was talking to Pastor Matt yesterday, and I was sharing with him, you know, that everything that we ever wanted to accomplish, with one exception, everything that we've ever wanted to accomplish has been accomplished here at, in Las Vegas at Liberty Baptist Church. We've seen more accomplished than we ever thought was going to happen. It's an amazing thing if you just sit and do what God wants you to do, one step at a time, leave the results to Him. There have been times throughout our life that I've thought, man, if we just did this, if we, if we just did this, which would be a violation of God's principles, nothing illegal or immoral, but if we just did this, that maybe we could push it along a little faster. But you just do what God wants us, you to do. It's good to set goals. But don't worship the goals. Just say, okay, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Romans 8.28 still says, 
that God works all things together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. So what's the lessons that we learn from Jesus? First, here's, here's what we learn. Number one, always follow God's direction. Number two, everyone can bring someone to Jesus. That includes you. If you ask Jesus, I'm telling you this, if you ask Jesus tonight, God, give me someone to invite to church Sunday, God will give you. I'm not saying they'll come, but if you ask God to give you someone you can invite to church, if you did that right now, God would before the, by the end of the week. You say, why? Because it's according to the will of God. You say, how do you know it's according to the will of God? Because God told you to go tell people about Jesus. So if you said, Lord, give me somebody and I'll invite them or I'll give them a track this week, God would give you somebody to witness to. Everyone can bring someone to Jesus. We learn, number three, let God work the way he chooses. Don't be upset that he's not doing it in your life the way he's doing it in everybody else's life. And then we learn that prayer is essential. We learn to obey God even when it does not make sense. And then we learn that God does all things well. You can trust him. These are life lessons from Jesus. Father, help us to take the truths that we've heard tonight. Help us to apply them to our lives. Father, help us not to be just uh, talkers, but help us to be doers. Help us to apply these things. I pray, Father, uh, for everyone here. Uh, if there's somebody here that's not saved, I pray for their salvation right now. And I ask this in Jesus' name. We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. Now for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.